This is Steve Thompson. Before we read our passage today, I want to just make note of what Luke is probably doing for his readers. As the narrative begins to focus on Saul and his journey, Luke is careful to point out that Saul is on equal footing with the apostles. He's received the blessing of the apostles in Jerusalem, and he's about to be set apart for a special mission by the Holy Spirit and the believers in Antioch. The other thing that's interesting to note is how Luke parallels Peter's and Saul's missions. For starters, their preaching is nearly identical. Also, we've seen Peter confront a sorcerer named Simon. Saul is about to encounter a sorcerer as well. Both of them face jealousy and opposition from the Jewish community. Peter healed a man lame from birth back in chapter 3, as Paul will do in chapter 14. And we also see God heal people simply by Peter's shadow falling on them in chapter 5. And Paul will experience something similar in chapter 19 when articles of clothing that Paul wore or touched heal people. There's no reason to doubt the authenticity of these stories. But just note that Luke wants to establish Paul's credibility and authority by how he did some of the very same things as Peter and the other apostles. So let's read Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria, or Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius, from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So, after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now. For the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, 
mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Obviously, it was even more than the teaching. It was the truth of the teaching, but how that truth was demonstrated in power as well. I think it's so important to have a sense of calling, to have a sense that God has called you on mission with him. Why? Well, for a variety of reasons, I'm sure. But based on this passage, I think we're seeing a common occurrence When any of us heads out to bring positive change to the world, to announce that there's another way to do life, and it's in God's kingdom, it is God's kingdom, you will face opposition. Something will go wrong. Other people will put themselves directly in your way to stop you because they have a competing agenda. And I think it simply boils down to all of us having to surrender our own kingdom, our own control over our destiny and worldview and well-being, and entrust it to a God who has a much bigger agenda. Bar-Jesus, or Elimas, had attached himself to Sergius Paulus. He was the governor, which was a position selected directly by the Roman Senate. And so, Bar-Jesus had a sweet gig being the main religious consultant to the guy who was calling the shots. And he saw Barnabas and Saul as a threat right away. When confronted with God's desire to call the shots in your life, or when you hear an invitation to join in his mission, is our first reaction to protect, grab tighter, change the subject, point the finger somewhere else, If so, there's a good chance we're just wanting to hold on to our own kingdom. But I want to come at this from Saul's perspective. Actually, it's in this very passage that Luke alerts us to Saul switching names to the more Roman Paul or Paulus. There's lots of theories on why he chose to change his name or embrace his more Roman name, but I think it boils down to a desire to assimilate himself more into the culture that he's being called to work with. We also see a switch from Barnabas and Saul to Paul and Barnabas the rest of the way, meaning Barnabas is probably handing over um, authority to his apprentice, maybe. That said, I want to go back to something we can all count on. When we begin to follow Jesus wherever he leads us, we will inevitably face opposition. The question is, what are we going to do when we run into it? Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looks Bar-Jesus right in the eye and chooses a very confrontational approach. I tend to think this was probably Paul's personality type. He deeply loved people, no doubt about it, but I think he could be abrasive when telling you like it is. So the Holy Spirit 
not only gave him the insight of what he was up against, but also somehow communicated what the Spirit intended to do about it to make a point. Ironically, it was the exact same way that Jesus got Paul's attention. He would be struck blind. But we have no idea in this case if Bar-Jesus ever responded with repentance and a changed life. But we do know it made a huge impact on Sergius Paulus. Here's what I take away from this. I can expect the challenge, the obstacle, the hardship, the threat. That's all a given. It doesn't call me to question whether God really called me or opened this door or led me here. Instead, it pulls me back to lean deeper into the Spirit who called me and sent me. So now that the obstacle is here, how does the Spirit want me to speak to it? How am I, as a full-fledged son or daughter of the king, with all the authority of the king, going to approach this opposition? Will I be able to see the situation for what it really is? Will I hear the Spirit's prompting and follow through on it with bold confidence? That's my question. But I think that's also our privilege It's also our opportunity. Father God, I pray that as you call us out onto the water, the wild sea of your mission, and we begin to announce with our actions, our words, our joy, your kingdom coming, your healing, your peace coming, your way of life coming. And as, as we know the opposition is going to arise, God, I pray that we'd be able to hear you clearly. We'd stop and listen to you clearly, even right now, if we're facing it. And that when we get any kind of prompting at all, that we'd follow through on it. But God, we need your boldness. We need your courage. We need your strength. So Holy Spirit, come and speak to us right now. What is it that you're wanting to show us? What is it that you're asking us to step into?